I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome one and all to episode 268 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And during this episode, we have an interview with the bassist of the band Maul. They're a band out of Vancouver, British Columbia. And I mentioned this to Johnny during the interview. I got the promo. I want to thank the guys over at Clawhammer for setting the interview up. And they sent me the promo few months back it was late last year and i listened to it and i was like yeah okay cool so they've got like a new wave of british heavy metal iron maiden type feel and as the songs are coming out these choruses and the melodies are getting stuck in my head and i'm thinking crap this is good (laughs) so i listened to the promo a bunch of times I picked the album up, the vinyl, on Fireside Friday. Fireside Friday. Yeah. Fireside Friday is the pre-show that I do before Signals from Mars. No. Bandcamp Friday. Because, you know, I want to support bands that I really like. And, you know, the Fireside Friday ensures that... Fuck, I did it again. The Bandcamp Friday ensures that the most amount of money goes into the artist's pocket. So we'll see what happens now since they got bought out by uh, Epic Games. But anyway, (laughs) I don't want to get sidetracked on that one. Um, So I went out and I bought it. Also, the shipping was economical. And he he explains during the interview that they're shipping from Europe. So I have no problem paying, you know, 12 euros, around 15 bucks for shipping. The album was, I mean, it was pretty reasonable in price. A lot of stuff that I want to get. Oh my God, they're just killing me on the shipping. I've said this a bunch of times and it just sucks. But anyway, so, so yeah. So when there's a band that I think is doing a good job, I go out of my way to try to interview them. If there's something that I really like, you know, I really want to talk to them. A lot of people ask me about, you know, what's, what album do you think sucked last year? I, I, I forget those. You know, I focus on the ones that I like. You don't think about that one time that, you know, you had a real shitty meal, you know, unless somebody suggests going back there, obviously. But you don't dwell on that. You dwell on, hey, you know, let's go to this restaurant because we had this great time and, you know, the, the ambiance of the place and the food is great. You know, you tend to focus on that more so than that one time when the food was cold at this other place or the the server was was rude. You know, so there's I don't know. So so that's why I like to go out of my way and interview bands that I enjoy their music because I I mean I think that that comes through when I'm interviewing these people that I have an interest in what I'm asking and what they're saying as well as opposed to Hey man, so this is album number eight. How are the fans taking this album? They like it? I, I asked something like that with Drew Fortier about his book. 
you know, sometime last year. And as I'm and as I'm asking the question, I said, man, I'm an asshole. I'm like, that's such a crap question to ask. I go, because nobody is going to say, yeah, the fans hate it. They think it sucks. No. Oh, they all love it. And a lot of people, even if they if they don't love it, they'll say that just because they want that interaction. They want that acceptance by an artist that they that they love, you know, so. So I, I get that. I get that from both sides. I get it from the fan standpoint that, you know, they're talking to someone that they admire and they want to have that type of interaction and connection with them. So I, I get all that. But anyway, we're going to hop on into Jeremy Weltman's patron's pick. He's looking into the crystal ball and he's recommending something from the future. So let's check it out right here. Here's Jeremy Weltman with Patrons Pick. Hello, everyone. Another Patrons Pick this week. There wasn't so much out that I was really into, but there are there are a few that I want to recommend. Big shout out for the latest Evil Invaders album. It's called Shattering Reflection. It's on Napalm Records. I really like that band. I remember when their previous album came out, I really liked that as well. There's some great songs on this, and it's. I'm going to probably give it another listen as well. It's um, very well worth you checking that one out. The second one to check out this week, uh, a very well-produced, bombastic, epic record from Lords of the Trident called The Offering. It's on Junko Johnson Records. has some very nice guitar work on that, and it's certainly what I call as a, um, a bit of a grower album. The third album I wanted to recommend um, for um, on behalf of the patrons, uh, a nice raw sort of new Wobbum style record from Satan called Earth Infernal. That's on Metal Blade Records. I like the, the, the raw style there. Um, reminds me of the old uh, new Wobbum days and really enjoyed that. And finally, a fourth one uh, is a very listenable collection of songs on a new album from the Helicopters. Uh, this one is called Eyes of Oblivion. It's on Nuclear Blast. And um, again, that was uh, well worth uh, time digging out and, and having a good listen to and probably one I'll return to. This week's patrons pick is a, actually an album you won't be able to hear or buy until May the 20th. This one was sent to me um, to, to have a listen in advance. It's the 19th album from Anvil. It's called Impact is Imminent. And it's on AFM Records. And as you might expect, it's, uh, it's packed full of riffs and it's really well produced. It's a band that doesn't take itself too seriously, of course, but it's all the better for it, I reckon. And there's lots of standout tracks on here. Most of them are better than the slightly underwhelming first single called Ghost Shadow, which we had to listen to through uh, Victor's site uh, a week or so ago. There are songs like the grooving track Another Gunfight, uh, the sizzling riff of Fire Rain. There's a cowbell intro, of course there is, on a song called Don't Look Back. And that is barely half, we're barely halfway into uh, what is a 14-track album that also includes two instrumentals, a very fun one called Gomez and also another one called Teabag. Well, Anvil may not be everyone's cup of tea, but they keep on doing what they do, and that means putting a smile on everyone's face. And after all, rock and metal is meant to be fun, isn't it? So... This was a very brief but clear patron's pick. This week it is Impact is Imminent by Anvil. 
It's out on May the 20th. Look out for it. Awesome. New Anvil, which will be dropping next month in May. Um, cool. So that gives you guys some homework to do from now until next month when the new album comes out. Something to look forward to. And yeah, as Jeremy mentioned, I posted the video up on Patreon. For those that are unaware of what I do on Patreon, and I know that some of you must think, ah, this guy again with his Patreon stuff. But listen, these guys are the diehards like Jeremy, and I always want to send a shout out. And maybe there are people that don't know what I do on Patreon. And I always say this, I like to give people on Patreon what I would like to receive from other Patreon pages. There's plenty of pages that I've been subscribed to that just you know, posting once a month just doesn't cut it for me, you know, or, or once every so many weeks or not posting anything, you know, there's a few of those out there as well. So, you know, um, I give people, I try to give you at least three videos to check out. And from there, there's other podcast content. There's the Victor M. Ruiz podcast. There is the audio version of the Fireside Friday show, and there is the audio version of uh, the Tuesday trivia from Twitch. And depending on what tier you choose, you can get one or the other. It also allows you the ability to take part in the patron shows, where last month we talked about Excuse me, <laughs> my voice given out there for a second. Last month, we talked about albums from 1982. Um, this month, we'll be talking about a top 10 list pertaining to a category we haven't decided yet. Again, this is all up to the patrons. So I like to give people leeway and the ability to vote on things and make, you know, make the experience be something that people enjoy, you know, and feel that they're a part of this tight-knit community. It's a troll-free environment where we talk about music. Um, not everything that I post is for everyone. There are some people that like more extreme stuff. There are some people that like more stuff that's flavored in, you know, 80s, hard rock, sunset strip, glam, hair metal, however you want to call it. So there's, I feel that there's a little bit for everyone. And then based on that, there are playlists that are both up on Apple Music and on Spotify, which features tracks that are picked by the patrons. So there you go. And um, yeah, so if you want to get involved, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Mars Attacks podcast, or you can go to the MarsAttacksRadio.com website, and there's links to Patreon right there. I do want to send a shout out to all of my patrons. Uh, let's see. We have Steve Hoker, Jeremy Weltman, who we just heard from Mike Jones. Yes. Our Mike Jones, John Bush. Uh, we have from yargmetal.com, Dr. Poison, Brad Dahl. We have the metal dentist, Gabriel Ruiz. We have Chris from the Chris and Amanda show. We have Jose from Connecticut. who I'll actually be seeing next week, which will be cool. Uh, we have metal Dan 
who is usually there on Trivia Tuesday every week, battling it out elbow to elbow with others um, all the way to the end. Usually we have Johan in Sweden. We have Ed the Shred Ferguson. We have Anthony Mackey in Ireland. We have my brother Art. And we have Steven Saylor. Want to thank all of them for their continued support. Uh, it is awesome that all you guys choose to um, choose to be a part of Patreon. And, you know, I say this, sure, the economic part helps, obviously. Um, but, again, just this tight-knit community where we talk about music, we talk about different things, we have these exclusive shows that we do together where the patrons are allowed to uh, vote on things. And, yeah, I, their opinion holds a lot of weight to me. And I realize that not everyone can or wants to be part of Patreon. Another way that you can show your support is just by liking and sharing the episodes. There are a few like Bill Elam that do this. And I thank you for your support as well. So um, just real quickly here, uh, there is no signals from ours live stream tonight. Family commitments tomorrow. <laughs> As a result, no show tonight. But uh, usually we do Signals from Mars Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. in the UK, and midnight for those in Europe. Before that, we do a pre-show on Fireside, where some of the patrons join me. We talk about different types of hard rock and metal news. That's an hour before the show, so that's 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. in the UK, 11 in Europe. And we also do the... Trivia Tuesday on Twitch, like I mentioned. Um, it's just multiple choice. It's very straightforward. You can play on a tablet, phone, computer. You just pick the answer that you think is the correct one. So you don't have to type anything out. The quicker you answer, the more points you get. The quicker you answer and you answer wrong, more points get taken away. So there you go. So there's a bunch of different things that I have going on. And yeah, I do these things, you know, I try to cast a net to see what, what uh, catches people's attention. Anyway, we're going to jump on into the interview with Johnny. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. As I always say, there are a million other things you guys can be doing or shows you can be listening to, but you choose to listen to this one. And for that, I truly thank you. Here we go. Welcome one and all to the Friday, April 1st edition of the Signals from Mars live stream. Joining me tonight is Johnny from the band Mall. Johnny, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. I'm glad that uh, we were finally able to hook up and I know we scheduled this uh, a while ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's awesome to have you on tonight. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say that when I received the uh, promo, um, it instantly uh, stood out to me uh, between, I mean, obviously uh, being music that, you know, I've been into for a very long time, but also the melodies and just the music and everything just really uh, like just stood out to me. So um, I Thanks. wanted to ask you, 
Yeah. So, sorry. Cut you off. Go ahead. That's all good. Oh, I just said thanks. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, uh, to talk to, you know, someone from the band about it and, and right off the bat, you know, I look at the liner notes and everything. I have the vinyl and me like a dope. I should have had it with me to, to show it off, but uh, I, I always forget this type of stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, I looked at it and saw that the band is only three people when, you know, you look at a band that plays the type of heavy metal that you guys play. It's usually singer, two guitarists, bass and drums, but you guys are a three piece. Why did you guys feel that being a three piece was, was good enough? Um, well, actually, when we recorded the album, we were a four-piece at the time. So okay. there was me on bass, Eddie was on drums, uh, Daniel was our lead guitar player, and Jacob was the rhythm guitar vocalist. So we mm -hmm. did still get to have all the twin harmonies that you want and I think need in the classic heavy metal type of feel. We're a three-piece right now because, well, Jacob and Daniel both left the band to do other projects. And we brought in a new guitar player. So we're a three-piece for the moment. Mm -hmm. But unless uh, unless I get really good at singing really soon, we're probably not going to stay a three-piece. Okay, gotcha. So so you're looking to uh, switch things up? Um, Get replacement members or new members, I'd say, is a better way. Like find a new singer, maybe add a second lead guitar player to get, you know, that classic lineup you were talking about. Mm -hmm. okay um awesome uh quick shout out to uh those in the chat i see jose in there already oh. brad jeremy and i see johan in sweden thanks all you guys for joining us uh feel free to uh drop your questions in if you have any questions for johnny that i can ask him along the way um you guys are from british columbia obviously probably the biggest act to come out of there that's hard rock or metal related is probably De Devin Townsend. Uh, correct. Um, I'm not really sure, actually. I mean, there's a lot of guys coming up locally that are really big, like gatekeeper and black wizard are both pretty, uh, pretty big. I think Archbire is another one that's from around here. Okay. That's pretty huge. But well, there's there's some people coming up. Okay, what's the scene like in in British Columbia for metal right now? I mean, can you guys tour around the province and and play shows, or do you have to play across Canada, or do you have to cross over into the states to to play? Uh well, for the states, it's it's tricky. Uh, the last time I think we checked, it was like seven hundred and fifty dollars per person for a visa to get in as a musician to oh, play wow. there, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, like that's just not going to happen. Right. Um, yeah. Doing interprovincial tours, like to go through uh, the interior of BC and to go to the Island is something pretty much every band from here does. And that's, I mean, okay. that's always a great time. It's just the stretch of going across the mountains to Alberta is like the first main hurdle. Cause that's where you start getting opened up to the rest of Canada where you've got to cross over. Mm -hmm. We haven't done that yet, but that's something we are planning on doing. Yeah. In terms of locally, I'd say the local scene's quite good. I mean, people, people play all the time. There's shows going on basically nonstop. You just got to be willing to go out there and 
find what you want to see. Okay. Cool. Um, what was that first inspiration for you? What what song or what band did you listen to that made you think, man, I want to be a musician? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it was like the third or fourth day of grade 11. And uh, I'd been playing electric guitar like on and off for about a year because uh, all my buddies were playing Guitar Hero. And I thought it was so stupid that they're playing like a plastic guitar when you can buy a real right. guitar for cheaper. And I was like, I'm just going to learn a real guitar and play that. But, you know, I didn't really know where to start. And to be honest, I wasn't very good at it. And one of my buddies was like, hey, why don't you try a bass guitar? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. He's like, here, check this out. And he gave me his uh, his Walkman or whatever. And uh, he had Rothschild on bar. And I listened to like, and the, first, like the first one second of it. Second of it, paused it and I was like, it. what is this, man? It's like, dude, that's Iron Maiden. And I was like, whoa. So I borrowed his uh, CD player and just listened to it the whole rest of the day at school absolutely <laughs> ignoring all my classes and teachers and then at the end of the day it's like dude i need to borrow this i need to listen to more of this he's like yeah go for it right and, like i've already been involved in music basically my whole life so i was in my school's uh concert band and jazz band and i was like hey oh i was playing trombone at the time i was like hey can i borrow the school's bass guitar and they're like <laughs> okay we know you we trust you you can borrow it so i took it home looked up a tab of Rathchild. And just played it nonstop for a month until I could play it all the way through. And I was like, okay, I guess this is right. what I'm going to do myself now. Like I, after that one first second, it's just been a complete like life change. Mm -hmm. And that was so, it for me. And seeing people play live, and I was like, whoa, like this is a live metal band. Like I need to do this. <laughs> and I had times right. where I was questioning, you know, is this something I should be doing? Is it not? And then on Judas Priest's uh, Epitaph tour, mm -hmm. I think in 2011, I think it was, I did a bunch of shrooms and I saw Judas Priest playing. And I was like, <laughs> and I was just looking at Rob Halford and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is for me. I have to do this. Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And, and just so you know, in the chat, we have Brad Dahl saying that bass is the most important instrument in the band. And, and Johan in Sweden responds with, yes, just so you know, they're both, both bass players. So <laughs> I, I read something funny that said uh, bass guitar is the eyebrows of the band. So you don't always notice or look at it, but you really know when it's gone. Ah, there you go. Brad, you're, you're the uh, eyebrows of the, of the podcast and live stream. How about that? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so is it safe to say that Steve Harris is, is your biggest influence based on, you know, the type of music you play? Oh, easily, easily. Like there's, <laughs> there's bass players who can, you know, shred and do tapping solos and all this and that, but man, mm -hmm. what that guy can do on four strings is more than what some people can do on six. Like it's, right. and it's not just the technical ability, it's the song craft, like being able to tell an engaging cohesive story within anywhere for, well, it's Iron Maiden. So I guess in like eight to 12 minutes, but I, that's, it's not just the playing. It's just that song craft ability that I really look towards. And then his tone is just so good. <laughs> so yeah, he's my number one. Eight, eight to 12 minutes. You're talking about the classic albums, newer ones. You're anything shorter than 16 to 18 minutes. Doesn't yeah, make I it guess. Any <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, they're really giving you your money's worth, I guess, that way. 
Well, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> a lot of songs that were on your original demo from hell mm. ended up on the, um, on the self-titled studio album. Um, was there anything that you purposely wanted to do when taking those songs from the uh, demo stage to the actual full length? Or did you feel that those songs were just good as is and, and didn't, uh, didn't need to be worked on anymore? <clears throat> well, for the demo, it was more so of we were playing shows and people were asking, hey, can we find your music online anywhere? Can we do this or that? So we always wanted those songs to be on an album. They were just the songs we had done at the time. We're like, let's just record these and have them out there as like, so on the Facebook event for our shows, people can have a link and kind of see what we sound like right off the mm -hmm. bat. Going forward right. with recording, uh, we looked at the songs and said, hey, are there areas we can touch up? Are there things we want to change? Uh, do we just want to leave it as is? And then, of course, having the extra production on it was, I think, the biggest game changer. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Um, there's four new songs or four newer songs mm. uh, that came sometime between the demo and the full length. Uh, are these songs that were already written and just didn't get on the demo or are these songs that you guys wrote after the demo was put together? Um, a bit of both, I'd say. I think maybe the title track mall was either done or close to being done at that time. I don't think we had played it yet. Okay. But I think the five we put on were the ones we had played the most so far that we were, that we knew, <clears throat> excuse me, that basically we knew the best. So we're like, these are the ones we always play. These are the ones people know. Let's go with these ones. Mm -hmm. For the okay. other four, we took more time working on them and getting them done. Like they, we kind of just add, kept adding songs to our set list as time went on. Mm -hmm. So they just weren't up to the uh, point of being recorded yet, I think, at the time. Gotcha. If I'm remembering that right. Okay. Um, you, ha you have tracks that have just some sick melodies in them and just, just some r ridiculous stuff that just gets stuck in your head. A song like Summoner, you know, I can, I can listen to that song and then have the chorus part stuck in my head for, for, for days at a time. I'm, I'm going to start charging you guys rent for, for space in my head uh, be, because I can't get the song out of my head when I start to listen to it. Um, I mean, when you guys are writing these songs, or, you know, how do you approach that to say, you know what, we need to have this and, you know, we need to have this type of chorus or um, do you look to do something specific or does it all just kind of come out naturally? Well, I'd have to say first, we need to charge you a licensing fee if you're playing our song in your head all the time. I mean, I don't know how that comes off of rent. <laughs> so we'll we'll go over that later. Um, okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said Sumner because that's actually the first song I ever wrote. Like, about oh, wow. 10 and 10 and a half years ago that no matter <laughs> where I am, I always, I like, I always love playing that song. Maybe just cause mm -hmm. it's my first or oops. One second. Yeah. Maybe cause it's my first or that I just love playing it. I don't really know. Uh, in right. terms of writing, what for me, at least what usually happens is I get a riff stuck in my head or a chorus mm -hmm. line that's stuck, stuck in my head and I write the song around it. So with something like summoner, or 
ritual or any of the other songs it's it usually starts with that hook where it starts right. i just get a hook in my head randomly and i'm like oh that needs to be in a song okay let's write a song around this hook or this really cool uh chorus line or verse or something like that that's kind of how my songwriting process goes uh with the other guys they'll usually start with a riff like they'll noodle around on the guitar like oh mm-hmm. that's a good riff let's let's see where that goes but for me it's there's something catchy in my head and I cannot sleep until it becomes a song. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's see. We're being asked in the chat here. Do you have any other bass influences outside of Steve Harris? Oh, yeah, and, a ton. Okay. C- can uh, you name any? Well, Getty Lee and Cliff Burton are the next two that come up, of course. Like, they're just legends. Um, okay. Not only for bass guitar, but just as a frontman in general, like I love Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy. Like he's like the man. Like they okay. are, if it wasn't for Iron Maiden, they would be my favorite band. Mm-hmm. Like just, uh, like the way he can command with his bass lines is just so good. And then Jocko Passatorius, or however you pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. that jazz player. Uh, right. He's been great. Him and Victor Wooten to go into jazz and kind of explore more of the fretboard. And then there's another guy on YouTube I've been following called Charles Berthoud that does a lot of tap solos. It's just okay. like I've gone outside of metal for a lot of newer influences just to be, well, these guys are doing something completely different than I am. So how could I expand my playing ability beyond that? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, because the uh, next question was, um, uh, is there anything outside of hard rock and metal that you're into? And obviously you are from the stuff that you mentioned. Um, when you said YouTube, I'm thinking, uh-oh, he's going to say Davey 504, but okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so I found this guy through Davey 504, actually. He was doing one of his challenge videos, and then I went okay. and I saw his um his solo work, and I was like, oh, this guy's not a meme. He's actually really good. Like, he's just straight up good. Right. Is he the guy that plays with the Rickenbacker? It it looks like a Rickenbacker. He's this, like, white dude with really short blonde hair who plays, like, uh everything he does is like these crazy tapping solos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've seen the guy on Davey's channel a few times, mm-hmm. but I didn't remember his name, but yeah, it looks like a Rick, but the bottom, like the bottom horn is like cut out further. Yeah. So I was, yeah, that's the guy. Wow. Okay. So that's not really a Rick. Wow. I, ne- I never noticed it. It's, it's definite. It's definitely an, a good knockoff then. Mm. I think it's, um, I can't, it's a LaFay. I think he plays a LaFay. A piccolo a solo master or something like that okay. i mean for for a knockoff i think eight grand's pretty steep but wow yeah, yeah. okay so that's not a knockoff yeah <laughs> that's that's my ignorance when it comes to uh dude i didn't know either i was like dude eight grand i mean this got to be the best base ever if it's gonna be eight grand yeah um as far as your gear what, what um what are you using to play out live in comparison to what uh, you you used in the studio? I actually use the same bass guitar. Like I only main one instrument at a time. So right okay. now I'm using a uh, Midnight Blue Rickenbacker, a 4003S. And okay. then I, I had the uh, bridge changed to the Badass 2 bridge. I had both of the mm-hmm. pickups changed to Seymour Duncan's. I okay. copper shielded the inside of it. I I deaded the um the channel switch for the pickups because I like them both active at the same time. I only oh, okay. left my master tone and master knob on. 
like all the rest are just you know whatever so i did a lot of work into it and then i put a mirror guard on all of it too because uh okay. i gotta have the mirror guard looks so cool <laughs> plus it's, you're playing a show and someone's not paying attention you know it's just shining in their face and you're like hey look at me yeah i, I was gonna say that with uh Again, another Steve Harris trick where he would bounce the lasers or, or assorted lights off the uh, pick card. So that makes sense. <laughs> really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I love sure. doing that. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, the, the pandemic goes, was there any silver lining for you or the band when it came to the pandemic? Do you feel that you were able to spend maybe – more time trying to work on certain aspects of this album. Um, did it suck because you guys weren't able to play shows? You know, what, what exactly do you feel, you know, what, what was good about it and what was bad about it? Um, well, the good about it was probably Serb because I think we used that to pay for our album. Okay. The bad about it, the bad about it was not being able to just play shows. I mean, we had recorded our album in February and then we played, I think the last show in Vancouver before everything was shut down on the 16th or 17th of March in 2020. Mm -hmm. And like we went from playing two or three times a month to just not playing at all. Like when you start out as a band, you're always kind of looking for shows being like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. But we got to the right. point where we were able to be selective, where we we're getting so many offers. We could just pick and choose where we wanted to go and which would be more fun or which would make us a better return or, which would get us seen by more people. But then all of that was taken away just so quickly. So we're going to have to start that back up again, which is a, a little frustrating, but right is what it is. How do you envision that process going? I mean, you guys are going to start to play local stuff and then slowly as the word gets back out there that you guys are doing shows, slowly start going out further. I think that's, the way to do it um in terms of playing locally i'm not really sure about the venue situation right now because i think a couple of them closed like there was a place right. called pub 340 that we played just a million times like everybody in a band in vancouver plays there it's kind of like the spot to play right. and it shut right. down like almost immediately and is just closed <laughs> forever now so i'm not really sure on the venue situation plus a lot of the places charge like so so much to play so I'd like to, you know, start up again doing locally, but if it's um, financially impossible to do that, then we'll go to the cities around Vancouver and do like mini tours, I guess. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people don't realize the just the, the economics of, of everything, you know, you talked about what it was like for the, for the visa. And obviously if you have to pay to play, you know, that, that, that that totally sucks. I, I mean, uh, based on what you're saying, that's just in the city of Vancouver, but you can play a little further out and you don't run into that type of stuff. Um, we're not entirely sure about how it would go outside of the city, like going into the interior of British Columbia, like the smaller towns like Kamloops and Kelowna, just because they're right. smaller towns, we're making the assumption that it would be cheaper to play there, um, mm -hmm. not accounting for the gas it would take to get there. Right. But here, there's sometimes you can get luckier, but I think a lot of it now is a pay-to-play situation, which it, it's just stressful because then instead of focusing about your show, you're kind of focusing about at least breaking even. 
so you don't go right. into debt just to just to play yeah yeah i had somebody on the show a few months back from a swedish band um called manimal actually and Great the name. singer samuel talked about that he said you know we're we're looking to hopefully go out and play this summer but it needs to make sense for us and he said you know if we break even he goes or even if we lose a little money he goes it'll make sense for us he goes because you know uh, playing shows and getting the audience reaction and all that will kind of be like payment for us to to go out there he goes but if we have to you know pay a lot for gas if we have to pay a lot you know to uh to stay places or or whatever you know just from an economic standpoint if we can't make sense out of it then we're just doing you know one or two shows a month someplace locally and and that's it he goes because we can't afford to just dump money out there and and not make it make any sense so yeah I get what you're yeah. yeah it's i i will say it's a hundred percent worth it like the experience mm-hmm. of playing a show live is 100 percent worth the cost but it's you have to kind of temper that with being responsible to do I want to make myself go bankrupt doing this? Do I want to take out a bunch of loans? And, you know, we're all getting close to our 30s, if not over. It's that point where you're like, oh, do I have a house and mortgage now that I have to worry about? Like, am I going right. to be in financial ruin with debtors like constantly going after me? So it, there has to be a balance with it. Like, of course, mm-hmm. like you expect to spend money and maybe not make make everything back. But if you're out if you're in, if each member is in the hole, like two grand from doing a tour, it's like, well, now you got to wait another year before you can go out. Like you can't just recoup that yeah. instantly. Right. You don't, you don't want to mortgage your future just for a few shows. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, so initially or at this moment, you don't have any, any shows lined up. You, well, you're, you're talking about, you're reshuffling the the band currently. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's that process going to be like? Um, you know, what specifically are are you looking for? I mean, obviously, you're you're looking for people that are into, um, th- you know, bands that are or players that are influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal bands, specifically Maiden or or bands of you know that style. Um, but what else are you looking for? initially um for for, with new band members honestly it's someone you can get along with like there's something to be said about someone's innate talent and uh ability to perform and play but when you're going on tour especially in bands of this size so if anyone's listening and they want to start a band you have to get along with people first because you are going to be trapped with them in tiny tiny confined spaces and something they do that you don't really notice is going to become the most annoying thing in the world to you. That's going to make you want to kill them, even though it could be the smallest thing. It could just be the way they breathe. So right. you have to make sure you flow. You you know you can get along. You have good comedic timing together. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you, it'll just be a nightmare of stress, and it'll feel like you took a vacation just to work. Right. <laughs> Makes sense. So that's um, probably the first thing. Just make sure you get along first. You could have the most amazing player in the world, but if they're just an asshole all the time you're it's not going to be worth it okay so so hypothetically let's say you could fill the band out with any members you want who who would who would you bring into the band 
Um, I would get, I would add my old lead guitar player back, uh, Daniel, because he's like my Gary Moore to fill in it. Like okay. he'll do an album with you, and then you just always ask him, "Hey, do you want to do another one?" He's like, "Oh, I can't right now." It's like, "Okay, do you want to do it anyways?" So I get, I get him, and then uh, for a singer, I'd cast the spell and try and resurrect Dio. It's like undead Dio because his voice, okay. his voice is amazing, but if he was undead, it'd be slightly more gravelly. And I think that would okay. work with our sound really well. So I'll take Daniel back and Undead Dio, and I think we'll be good to go. Awesome. Toby wasn't cremated. <laughs> well, um, we, we we are speaking in hypotheticals and and dream scenarios. So I mean, whether, yes, whether he was or this is purely it, hypothetical. Purely hypothetical. Yes. There's there are no plans in motion. Uh, there's, there's, uh, in the eyes of the court, I could never be tied to anything. It's this purely hypothetical. It's, that's all this is. <laughs> there, there are no spells being cast or anything like that. So not at all. One hundred percent not true. It, it is. It isn't like uh, the first thing that came to mind. And of course, it's someone else who's deceased. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the show, The Orville, but uh, Norm Macdonald, who passed yeah. away a few months back, his character was like. Uh, uh, a gelatinous being. I, I forget what the name of the character was. It was like a but... blob thing, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the first thing that came to mind when you said that, I hope he did. He isn't cremated. The first thing that came to mind, like, whoa, he'd be like a singing blob, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, well, okay. So let's let's. Um, or you eat let's... like a bit of the dio dust, and then you gain his power for like a short amount of time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that well then that's like a half baked type thing that's uh that, that's jim brewer and uh with jerry garcia's ashes then either that uh, or i gotta find like a pet cemetery around there you go um so let's take this question a little further if you were able to go out on tour and you were able to play with any band new non-existent you know if you could resurrect them what two bands would you want to go out with? Well, I mean, obviously Iron Maiden. Like, I have to say that. Like, they're my favorite <laughs> band. It would be a dream to tour with them. Not just okay. because not just because they're my favorite band, though. I just think they do it right. Like, with the right. amount of success and fame they have and the draw they have to shows, they're still not charging that much for a show. Like, when you right. can go see bigger bands from that era charging anywhere from three to 500 bucks for, like, a mm -hmm. general admission ticket, and Maiden's like, no, we, we like cap it at 100 We've always capped it there. That's just how much it is. So I like that right. kind of access to the show for the audience. Uh, I think they have a great crew and, you know, they have their own plane of transportation. So it would just make touring really easy to tour with them. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the music aspect. They would be really easy to tour with. So I go with them right off the bat. Okay. And, oh, second band. I go with Priest because Priest and Maiden, I don't think have ever played a show together. I, I oh, saw no. an interview where Rob Halford yeah. was talking about it. Like, why don't you play with them? He's like, dude, I don't know. Like we'd be down if we can schedule that, we'll do it. And then I think Steve Harris was like, yeah, we'd love to do it. I don't know why we haven't. It's just never in our schedule. So I would do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone would show up to see me play, but I would also get to see Maiden and Priest play together for free <laughs> every single night. So that kind of makes it worth it to me. There you go. Um, Maiden actually opened for Priest, but when Deanna was singing. So oh. was very, very long time ago. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I don't, I think it was, um, 
on their on the touring the first album, if I'm not mistaken. So oh. it did happen. It's just been eons ago. But yeah, I've seen both of them say similar. You know, you you, you would hope that they'd be able to uh, make the planets align for that before either band calls it quits. Yeah, I think. Well, Priest called it quits a while ago. I think that Epitaph tour was supposed to be their last one, and as soon as the tour was over, they're like, "No, we're not. We're not done. We're gonna do more." It's like, yes. Well. Ha- like two weeks into the tour, they were like, no, no, we we're not giving up. And it was like, uh, you guys kind of said you were. Yeah. <laughs> so, with, you know, with it, Maiden, those guys are so healthy. I think they'll kind of just tour until they drop. Like they'll do what Lemmy did and just keep playing until you're just so delirious. You don't even know what song you're playing and people will still <laughs> love it. Right. Well, Bruce actually said that recently said that they'll, uh, they'll play till, till they drop dead on stage. So nice. So there you go. Um, since since uh, since you did mention Getty Lee before, and I know that we have a, a huge uh, Rush fan oh, yeah. um, that always follows here. What would you say is the quintessential Getty Lee song to learn how to play on bass? Maybe Anthem from Fly By Night. Okay. It's a good introductory song to... Uh, like his playing style that's not too difficult because some of the stuff getty plays is just absolutely mind-bogglingly insane and this right. one's kind of in the tamer in the tamer range uh mm-hmm. on top of that it's abs- it's an absolutely kick-ass song like it just rips right. rips non-stop that whole album's great like fly by night so underplayed right. um yeah so i go with anthem just to start like start with something like anthem get a feel for his style his kind of timing and then eventually work your way up to you know doing yyz that's kind of like your next step then after mm-hmm. that do 2112 like take on the big guy you gotta <laughs> at le- you gotta at least do the intro overture for 2112 it's so right. banging not that hard and it's just gonna it puts everything together like it puts his style his timing you know a lot of the crazy bass work a lot of the melodies just into one cohesive piece so Start off low and then build up to 2112. It's going to take some time. That's the 20 something minute song. It will take a while, but you can do it. What What do you think is the hardest song to learn from Getty's repertoire? It's a very good question. Like my mind initially jumped to La Villa Strangito just because it took mm-hmm. him four months to record that one song. Okay. But I honestly think it might be 2112. Just because it's of how long it is, it is, and how you have to have the timing down for the whole song, just as one. Right. Like if you can play that perfectly, the way he plays it all the way through on one clean take, it's like, dude, that is mm-hmm. unreal. Like, props to you. You put in your work. Yeah. Cool. And uh, and as I figured, Johan has commented with good choice, so he's uh, he's there with you. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, Johan. Awesome. Um, today's Bandcamp Friday, and I happen to pick up your album on um, on Bandcamp Friday back in January. Um, the reason that I did that is I wanted to make sure that I was able to put the most amount of money in your pocket when picking up the album. And I have to say that I looked at a lot of other albums, and the shipping was just way too much. You know, every Bandcamp Friday comes along and I look at what it'll cost to get something to me. And the shipping is usually kills me. Uh, 
I found that your album was economical uh, to, to get out to me. And, and I was like, wow, I, re I really like what I heard from the promo. So I'm going to pick it up. Um, and that's exactly what I did. If, if people want to go out and buy the album, is Bandcamp the best place for them to pick it up? Or is there someplace else that they should go to pick up the album? Well, I first want to say thanks for picking up the album. That's, you know, that's really cool. I appreciate that. Uh, in terms of, well, go to Bandcamp if you want to own the digital album. If you okay. live, if you live in Canada, you have to order it directly from us at, okay. at our band email at uh, malltheband at gmail.com because mm -hmm. we have the exclusive distribution rights for Canada. Uh, you did oh, talk okay. about shipping. Man, mm -hmm. that is no joke how expensive that gets. Shipping is unreal. Yep. If you live outside of Canada, though, unfortunately, you can't order the CD or vinyl anymore. Our first pressing is sold out. Oh, wow. Before the two-month mark, we completely sold out our uh, our label's entire stock. So you can only order it now if you live in Canada until they do okay. another, press another pressing, which uh, we'll make an announcement if we can get that rolling because we would like to do another printing of the vinyl and the CD. But yeah, apparently it it people absolutely ate it up. It's just gone so fast. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's and that's well deserved. Like I said, and uh, Jeremy's in the chat. He usually does a um, a segment on the podcast. I repackage the interview we're doing tonight and I release it in audio format. And he does um, a segment called Patrons Pick. And he featured the album as well. And I also did an unboxing for my patrons of the album. And so you've definitely from people that listen to, to, to my podcast or watch the live streams. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of love here for Maul. So uh, it's awesome to hear that, um, that that's sold out. I mean, it sucks, but at the same time, that's actually a pretty cool thing yeah. because I don't know that there are a lot of bands that can actually claim that. You know, not in 2022. <laughs> yeah, it was really surreal for us. I mean, we saw our, our label Gates of Hell make a post saying there's only like uh, seven vinyls left or something about a month ago. We're like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> like, it's hard. And they're like, CDs are already gone. We're like, dude, no way. Like, none of us expected it to sell out. We thought we'd do okay, but to completely mm -hmm. like hit our contract goals in two months was like, whoa, that's crazy. It's unreal. Um, there is a major downside though, as to do more pressings, like to do another vinyl pressing, just because all the plants in Europe are just so backed up. Like, I think mm -hmm. we sent our files or label sent our files in September, and it took until mm -hmm. January to get it done. So, I mean, if you're really hurting for that album, I unfortunately it is going to be a while, I think. Wow, well, okay, yeah, I'm I'm in Europe, so that makes so that kind of makes sense. Um, so, I mean, if the album came from Europe, mm -hmm. I mean, it's smart that the the label did that because again, I'm, I looked at an album that I really wanted to get today that I had, um, that I'd been listening to quite a bit the last few weeks and, you know, converting it to from euros to us dollars with the shipping and everything, it was almost 80 bucks. And I'm Jesus. like, yeah, that's, that's way too much. I, I'm, I'm not paying you know, more than half of what the vinyl is worth in shipping. And, and like I said, I think yours was, 
think it was like 12 to, to ship to me and it was pretty reasonable. I think all in all, it cost me like 30 something euros, which, which was kind of reasonable um, or which was, but some of this other stuff, you know, I want to support bands and I want to buy stuff, but it just, at the end of the day, sometimes just doesn't make economic sense. Similar to you guys going out and playing, mm-hmm. you know, I just can't plop $80, 70, 60 bucks down for, for a vinyl album. As much as I'd love to do it, I, I just can't. It just doesn't make sense to me. As much as I love people wanting to pick up our physicals, the first thing I always tell them is, oh, you can listen to the whole thing on YouTube or Spotify for free first. It's more mm-hmm. so, it's it's having someone actually really want to listen to your music feels really cool. So my first right. instinct isn't like, oh, I can sell them this. It's like, oh, dude, you can just check it out here. It's fine. And then they're like, no, 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 I want to buy it. I'm like, whoa, really? <laughs> but I always like to offer that. Just to be like, hey, if you can't get it or you don't have the cash, it's right. for free here. I'll send you the links. It's free. Go for it. You know, it's fine. It's no big deal. Because it's exactly what you said about it. You want to support bands, but it's not really viable with uh, the prices some of us have to charge. Like in order mm-hmm. to pay for pressing and to pay for shipping, it's going to be sometimes over 50 bucks, maybe 80 bucks. Like our shipping in right. Canada to send to send a CD, it's not bad at all. It's only five bucks. But to send a vinyl, like one vinyl costs 25 bucks to ship in Canada. Wow. Yeah. That's that's hurting. crazy. That's hurting. <laughs> and, and and that's yeah, that's that that's five times more. And I get it. That's stuff that you guys can't control. Um I spoke to Joey Vera, another bassist from uh, Armored Saint and Fate's Warning and a bunch of other bands, um, because they had this really cool, like a three-quarter sleeve uh, Armored Saint t-shirt that they were releasing. It looked like an 80s throwback with red sleeves and the middle was black and everything. And I'm like, oh, I want to get this. And it came with a cassette copy of, I think it was the the album Symbol of Salvation. I forget. But again, it was like a hundred something to get here. And I, I messaged them. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you know, I'd really love to get this, but you know, you guys are killing me with with the shipping. And I said, and I get that you guys have no control over this, but just, you know, under understand that you're working Mm -hmm. with a big label that in his case, he's working with metal blade who can, you know, relatively print stuff all over the world. I get it that everyone has to wait, but when we're talking about t-shirts, for example, it isn't the same as a vinyl, you know, you can print t-shirts up in Europe without there being an issue. Um, But the, you know, a hundred something bucks to, to get it is, I don't know. That's just way too much. Love the band, but I, I got to put food on the table. Jeez, what is this? <laughs> what does the shirt get its own seat on the plane? Is that what's going on? Like that's a lot of money. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And uh, there was a way that I could get it from the UK, but yeah, I'm, I'm in the only country that charges import fees from the UK for anything over, over 22 euros. So I would have still had to pay. I don't know how much other nonsense for, for receiving it. So geez, that's a mess. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And we understand when someone's like, Hey, I want to buy it, but the shipping's too high. Like we totally get it. Like it's nothing. We don't take any of that kind of stuff. Like, Oh, you want it, but you won't pay for the shipping. It's like, no, 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 we get it. Like it's, it'll eat a big chunk out of your wallet to get with shipping. Mm -hmm. So we totally understand that it's just not a really great situation for 
the bands and the people wanting to support it. It's just right. Oh, it's just for us. It's just kind of frustrating, honestly. No, I get it because it's, you know, it's, it's tough for you guys too, because I'm sure you guys could have a lot more sales of physical copies of things. If the shipping wasn't such a, such a detractor, Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, if it was comparable to what it's like to, to ship the CD, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that a lot more people would would say, "Shit, you know, I I really like what I heard on the streaming service, so I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna support the band. I'm gonna pick up the uh, the physical copy of this." Whereas, you know, if it's 25 and then the album costs, I don't know how much it costs Canadian to sell, but if you know it's 25 and 25, it's costing people 50. You know, sure, you're you're gonna have people that are still gonna buy, but I'm sure that a, a big majority with that shipping price you know will be deterred with all that said still awesome that you guys were able to sell everything out yeah there is a silver lining to um not being able to sell and ship that my drummer talked about he's like it's still good to have a good stockpile when you go touring and when you play shows locally so people people can buy at shows like that's always good to at least have that that backlog of inventory as well so that's the that's the silver lining we have about this but that's kind of yeah. basically it. Well, that 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 makes sense. Um, yeah, and I always like to tell people that listen to the show, you know, if, if you like something, if you like somebody that I'm interviewing, if you check their music out, sure, use the streaming services first. But if you if you like what you hear, you know, support the band one way or the other. You know, if you can pick up, you know, a T-shirt or a, or an album or a CD, do so. So I mean, I I try to. Make sure that people, uh, you know, share the love with you guys. I'd say the best um, non-monetary way to, su- to, excuse me, the best non-monetary way to support any band is to share mm-hmm. the music. Like when right. it's available in so many forums, it's like, hey, there's this band I like, you want to check them out? Like just that yeah. word of mouth sharing is is huge. And it doesn't cost mm-hmm. anything. And that's, if you want to support a band without having to, uh, you know, break the bank, I think that's a great way to do it. And it's pretty easy too and it gives you something to talk about like there's a bunch of or one new band i got into recently that i've been telling all my buddies about called the uh, double get in i think they're from canada but man that album they put out getting dangerous like number one i love the pun from the name and then the album just rips like the guy's such a good singer i would take him any day He's so good <laughs> cool we'll have to uh check that out Cool. And if people want to keep up with you and Maul, where should they go? They can check us out on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Maul official. They can okay. check us out on Instagram, Maul the band. And they can always just check our band camp. Okay. Yeah, those are our, main, will, our main guys. Okay. And that will keep people up to date as to what's going on with the band, whether you guys are doing shows or if you've got any other releases coming out. That's exactly it. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you spending all of this time with us tonight. Um, I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. And I say tonight because of my part of the world, it's almost 1 a.m., but I know for you it's almost 4 p.m. <laughs> on the West Coast of Canada, so it's a nine-hour difference. Um, so I thank you for, for spending the afternoon with us. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- thanks. And um, 
like I said, the, the album's been a, a big hit for at least uh, several of my listeners. Uh, Brad, who's also in the chat, mentioned that he had gotten the the CD as well earlier today. He mentioned it. So it's awesome that a few of us were able to to pull the trigger on it. So, um, yeah, th- thanks for coming on and, and wish you nothing but luck. Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks to you and your uh, fans for the support. Really appreciate it from all of us. Awesome. Cool. All right, Johnny, you have a good rest of your day. Okay, you too, buddy. All right, man. See you. There you go. Johnny from Mall, bassist extraordinaire. Um, Jeremy, you said, can they sell through EMP free shipping for one-off annual fee to the UK? Yeah, I have the same thing from EMP as well when they're not sending me uh, women's shorts that are supposed to be going to Finland instead. That comes down to the label. Even with the band camp, the, the, they mixed up uh, the shipping or something with the shipping got screwed up. And I remember they sent me something saying that I, I, I forget what it was. And I reached out to the band and they said, yeah, we don't control that. You need to reach out to South Lord, who is their label. So, um, so, so that's what happened there. Uh, Jeremy's saying another cool interview. Thanks. I, I appreciate it. And, um, I, I, you know, I, was talking to him all the way back in uh, the beginning of March, late February, and we couldn't make things happen until tonight, until uh, April Fool's Day. And I'm glad that we were able to pull it off. And I th- I thought it was cool. I mean, there's a bunch of us that have listened to this album, and I do think it's 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 an awesome album, and I do recommend you checking it out. And now, you know, streaming services is the only way you can do it unless you buy the digital copy on um, on Bandcamp. A uh, cool thing with Bandcamp that they've done recently is um, they've, they've set it up so you can uh, have your own playlist now. That's something that they've never had in all the years that Bandcamp has existed. So that's an awesome feature that they've, that they've added. Um, I don't know. To me, that's that's great because you know I'm I'm all for playlists. Um, I love listening to full albums, but sometimes you just want to have some good music going on in the background, and you just want to have specific songs. So instead of having to stop and flip through things, because there are some things that I only have on Bandcamp. So to me, that's an awesome feature. Uh, Brad is saying, great interview. I will be playing their music once I get on top of all the music I have. Well, there's there's a special date coming up for Brad, which um, maybe maybe that will happen <laughs> after uh, um, after things take place. Can can I can I divulge your uh, information, Brad, or is it top secret? See if he responds. So many great small bands out there, Brad says. There absolutely are. So no, that was Jeremy. I'm I'm sorry. Okay, so it's top secret, but we're all friends here. So Brad has let me know that uh, 
June 20th will be his officially his last day of work. So that will be uh that will be when he can get on top of these things. I I think after June 20th we have to launch a new podcast. Stories with Dr. Poison. Oh, June 30th. Okay. My bad. I possibly read that wrong. I think we we need to do story time with Dr. Poison where it doesn't need to be long, can be like a 10 to 15 minute episode and each episode is a different poison related story. Uh, I think that's something that uh that 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 people would be interested in hearing. He- hearing the nuttiness of people. So, look at that. Jeremy saying best news we've heard. He can concentrate on music. Yeah, I think he's he's looking to do a world tour although uh the tour dates in Sweden were were canceled. But uh I will still be working though. Okay. That is a brilliant idea. You see that, Brad? Huh? I'm 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 looking out for you. So we 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 need we need to make that happen. Story time with Brad. Story time with Dr. Poison. And working on my British accents. Hello, mate. <laughs> oh man. I'm going to have, I'm going to do an episode next time I have Jeremy on, we're going to reserve time to have Jeremy, um, to have, to have Jeremy teach me different British accents. He's going to imitate them. And then I'm going to try to do them back to him. He's nothing but a, a bloody wanker. There you go. All right, Mike. So, yes, stupid, the the stupid British accent for the night. So there you go. Poisonous Tales. There you go. Poisonous Tales with Dr. Poison. I'm telling you, it'll be a hit. If Jeremy says that he will do that, we will do the uh, the accent show. Enema du jour. My spouse is great. She's great at what? Doing the uh, accents? Your scoos. Okay, I don't know what scoos is. Explain yourself. What exactly is scoos? Since obviously he did not mean his... His spouse to uh, to quote to quote. Okay, so Scoos is from Liverpool, so it's one of the the Mersey accents. So the Liverpool accent is different to the to the uh, Manchester accent then. And I may be pissing people off by asking this question. Which is funny because the Gallagher brothers, um, are they from Manchester proper? See, I like Oasis, but I, I, I don't know this. 
Liam Gallagher. No, Scousy. Okay. I wish I could do a Utah accent for you. What do you mean? You can't? Oh, boy. Okay, so they're from City's Old Grounds. Yeah, so when I looked up Liam Gallagher, the first thing that came up was Liam Gallagher's son and Ringo Starr's grandson spared trial over late-night Tesco, which is a uh, is saying that Tesco is like the equivalent of Walmart over there. Is that is that fair? Daily Mail is saying, Judge Blass, entitled Rock Offsprings, Liam Gallagher's son and Ringo Starr's grandson. So that's the big thing on the mirror. Sky News. Evening News, The Telegraph. William John Paul Gallagher. Liam. Ah, Liam is short for William. Look at that. Asda is Walmart, but Tesco is similar. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It says here, it's uh, from Manchester. So, yes. Okay. That makes sense. In any event, we are uh, getting close to the top of the hour, and uh, I have an early morning. <laughs> I have a 7.30 get-up, so I have to be up in uh, roughly six and a half hours, which is more than enough time for me to sleep, but I don't want to push it tonight since we're going to have a, a busy week. There will be no live show next week uh, because I will be away at a basketball tournament. So um, no show next week, but the following week I'm, I'm working on guests that I may have on um, and we have to fill out or, or figure out what we're going to do for uh, this month's patron show. Will it be top 10 thrash bands? We could do top 10 bands that we've seen live. Um, we could do, um, top, uh, 10, I don't know, UK bands, top 10 American bands, top 10 new wave of, uh, British heavy metal bands. I don't know. There's a lot top 10 Swedish bands, maybe, uh, Jose, who I will be seeing shortly as well. Looking forward to that. We'll be seeing his, his sister tomorrow. So the following week is Easter and Passover. Yeah. Um, the, we're still going to have, well, Easter's on Sunday and it's Passover, I guess, on Sunday as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to all you guys in Patreon to see when we can do the, um, 
the next Patreon get together can't be the, the eighth, but, uh, we'll figure it out. 15th, 22nd or 29th. We'll be doing, um, the show. So, uh, that's that. Um, thank you guys once again for being here. Thank you, Jeremy and Brad for the pre-show on fireside was a lot of fun talking Dio and uh hypotheticals there with Dio and black Sabbath and his solo band was, was an awesome question there, Brad. And I think, um, if you guys are patrons, you'll get to hear that episode next week, the fireside Friday pre-show. And, um, there, there was, there was a lot of cool stuff that we talked about. So awesome. Look, look forward. You should look forward to hearing that next week as well as today's episode. So on that note, I thank you guys for being here, uh, for all your support. I realize that as I always say, there are a million other things that you guys could be doing today, tonight, depending on where you are across the six time zones that we usually cover, but you choose to be here with me and listen to me interview people. And I appreciate that sincerely. And uh, if no one noticed, this is one of my uh, Christmas grabs, which uh, Jeremy asked about. I would be rolling out any, uh, any of the Christmas merch that I got. And there you go. So there was uh, somewhere in time a, a reimagining of the Somewhere in Time album cover t-shirt, kind of, sort of. Anyway, thank you guys for watching this live and participating live. Thank you to all of you that listened to the replay audio or video. Remember to go to marsattacksradio.com to keep up with everything that I have going on. Uh, go to VMRIT if you need to have any type of audio editing or website design done. And uh, that is all, folks. Thank you for being here tonight. No April Fool's joke. I was thinking of saying, yeah, I'm leaving podcasting and seeing what type of a reaction I'd get from you people. But uh, I figured I wasn't going to do it. So anyway, thank you guys. We'll see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast, vmrit.com. See you folks. Until next time, which will be in two weeks. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 